Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We have done for 2022. The NRL season is done and dusted. Penrith Panthers are back-to-back premiers and uh, a one-sided grand final on Sunday Sunday evening. Oh, they were just too good, weren't they? You know, they uh, saved their best game, I thought, till last. Parramatta in their run, probably done the week before against the Cowboys by the looks of it, but just clinical. I thought Fisher-Harris and Liotta up front were outstanding to set, mm. the, set the platform. We said that right from the, from the beginning, that uh, for the halfbacks to excel... Uh, it'll be a ba- it'll be a battle of the front rowers, and I just thought that uh, Junior Paulo didn't really get into the game at all, wasn't allowed to. Um, and Liotta, on the other hand, I thought he was close to the best on the football field. Yeah, the the first five or six minutes, you know, both teams sort of feeling each other out, not a lot of the errors that just going back and forth. But as soon as Penrith scored that first try. The next set, they went 70 metres. It was like they had cracked them. And just from there, the, the, the metres that they got was just too easy. Far I, too easy. I remember saying to myself when I was watching the game, they needed to slow the ruck down. Yeah. You know, they are just getting too quick to play the balls and getting out of uh, dummy half over the advantage line and just really jamming into that um, Parramatta forward pack, uh, the middle, way too easily down, getting down the park. So on the back of that, Nathan Cleary getting a kick and, and no pressure put on him, but they just never mm. were allowed to put pressure on him because they couldn't continually backtrack him yeah. uh, down the field. I, I don't think it was, and this will this will tick a lot of people off, but I don't think it was the best two teams. You know, I think Parramatta... That was, they didn't play particularly poorly. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they did arguably some things wrong, but I just think they weren't good enough. They weren't. They weren't the right team to beat Penrith. I know they beat them during the regular season, but one of those games, you know, clearly red carded. I just think had it been the Cowboys or the Sharks, I think it would have been closer. Yeah, look, I just think they played the game at a, on a different um, on a different level. You know, they they dominated the middle of the park, which was crucial. Uh, they knew that they had to set the set the tone, especially for Nathan Cleary's kicking game, and they'd done that to to a T. I, I think Ivan would have really concentrated on his on his middle forwards, making sure that they set that platform. And it looked like they knew exactly what they were doing and the positions that they were getting on. And the and the thing I liked about Penrith is that they never took their foot off the pedal. Mm. You know, it wasn't right until right, the last ten. Well, that's until <laughs> yeah, the, game yeah, the game was, was basically yeah, over. Yeah. Um, the seven, I think, it was the seventy second minute. So. You know, it was a pretty um, all-round display across across the board. I thought the bench was very good for uh, Penrith when they came on. I thought the the defence, especially the way they were hitting mm. Penrith on the on the opposite side of the coin, they so they carried the ball really well through the middle. But then when the, they got down uh, after the kick chase and got stuck in those first three tackles, yeah, yeah. Uh, and kick out shooting out of the line all the time, putting those shots on. I just thought it really made Paramedic travel back and not get into the football game and. And uh, the two front rows for Parramatta, they were just sucking oxygen for that for that time that they were on. I I reckon Penrith could have held them to zero if they really wanted to. I think you know they, the game was in the bag. Cleary was down on the sideline. Celebrations had begun. That's what those last two tries sort of looked like. I think they could have held them if they wanted to. Um, 
Let's talk a little bit about um, the post-match celebrations. I know you've talked a lot about this on breakfast. Um, it has been a topic, a theme of conversation throughout the last few days. But I guess just, yeah, a lot of people are upset with how uh, Penrith have gone about their their grand final celebrations. I saw Ivan Cleary on with Channel 9 yesterday and he basically said, look, you're, when you're successful, you're always going to get looked at a lot harder. Um, and these are just young kids that have had a bit of the booze and they're celebrating and they say things that, you know, they might want to take back. But what, what are you sort of, I guess, made of it? And do you think there needs to be a bit of a, a harsher word in the area about, you know, what you do after you've won a grand final? Well, I've had a couple of days to think about it, you know, and I'm, and I'm not an advocate for that type of behaviour, especially um, coming from New Zealand. Like, you know, we've always sat back and if, if we've won games, we really haven't made that much noise about winning those big games and mm. I just thought you know Fisher Harris Luai um, Junior Kiwis Kiwis they, they sort of represent New Zealand and what we stand for it was just a bit um, I think it's a bit bigger than than what people are making I think the problem Sam is that when you analyse it and I was just having a conversation with a very good friend of mine um, an hour ago and I was saying when you really analyse it you're losing all these kids at a young age to go over to Australia Um and we're not, you know, you generally come out of rugby league, you're coming out of lower socio um, pathways, school really isn't your thing. Uh, you're, you're sort of quite happy to leave at 14, 15, because you're going to leave school at 15 anyway. And you go into an Australian uh, development pathway and the glam and the glitz of the Australian lifestyle really takes over. Mm. And one of the biggest problems that I see if we don't sort this out, and, and we're talking about the post-match celebrations, I actually think it, it runs deeper than that. I think if we don't actually you know, get our kids to understand that they come from New Zealand and they should be grounded in New Zealand culture um, and what New Zealand stands for, then what you're going to see is you're going to see a, a more Americanized Polynesian player playing sport where it's more glam and glitz and, and bravado as opposed to... A, you know, um, taking a back step and thinking about the bigger picture, which is more about, you know, your family, mm. where you come from and what you stand for. And, I've, and look, I've heard Penrith making making uh, comment in and around, um, you know, I heard Brandy say, you know, well, come on, you know, I'm, I quite enjoy what they're doing. Um, Ivan saying, you know, you get young blokes, I, I agree, with, with alcohol on board. Um, and they're all on the same conversation at Penrith of course they are yeah you know so I think the, the the bigger question for me is like if we don't stop this type of behavior then we're actually going to lose a big part of the game of rugby league which is humility yeah and um, I don't care what you say you you shouldn't have behaved like that you shouldn't have said those things because they do hurt they are derogatory um, no matter how you spin it and there'd be, and I know there's been some divide around, you know, Penrith supporters and, and everyone else. But at the end of the day, and I've said this as a measure, you show me a photo of an All Black who's been doing this type of, um, been in these type of competitions and winning these competitions for decades, behave in such a manner. Mm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the Americanisation thing, which I find really interesting because, yeah, we're very, it's very foreign to Kiwis, this sort of carry on if, if we saw one of our teams do it you're very very um out of character but you know th that's very normal in america you know they are outspoken they're cocky they they sort of go at other teams and rivals and stuff and so i just do wonder if we're going to see more of this kempi and and i'm not going to say things are changing but it, it uh, upsets us because we're not used to that you know I, I call it the you know i often use the analogy when i'm speaking around the um 
the fast cars, you know what I mean? So it's like hopping in a fast car and going from zero to 106 seconds. Now, if you think about it as a 15-year-old, and these kids are now 24, 25, in, in nine or 10 years, they've jumped in a really fast car called the NRL. On that pathway, and in 10 years, they've become superstars. And what comes with that is a lot of money, a mm. lot of profile, and for the Penrith boys, a lot of winning. And we've got to be really careful that we don't leave those kids behind. When they, Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, nah, so totally. So in nine years, people are still developing. But we're actually leaving that 15 years behind and we're creating something that's different. And although, you know, I've got, I've got no problem about Penrith. They, they were by far the best team. Yes, they should celebrate. It's grand final. You know, being in those and you, and you have fun. Um, and I don't want this to get mixed up with, with Penrith winning as opposed to Penrith celebrating. Like cele- celebrations, like some of the things that were said, um, you know, the comments, and I know Brandy brushed this off yesterday about saying, uh, you know, Fisher Harris saying this, this is the best Penrith team ever. Ever. Well, in ten to fifteen years' time, if Penrith won it again, you ain't going to be as good as that Penrith team. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But but, but your error was the best at its time. But you don't need to say that because yeah. everybody knows. No, it. no, exactly. And it, yeah, it's one of those things where yeah, people will will call them that in in time that you don't self-profess it. You know, like it's that is arrogant, I think. But well, and 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 the part of that is culturally that is not who we are. You know what I mean? And being Māori and 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 especially Fisher Harris being Māori, I know that's not who we are. And yes, alcohol played a part of it, but again, we're leaving those kids behind. You know, the NRL need to make sure that you know. As he talked about it this morning on breakfast, as soon as they hopped off the bus, you know, someone someone made sure they got in the end. So, mate, don't act like a pork chop. Yeah, you know, even though you've got a skinful. Um, obviously, it's okay in that culture out of Penrith. I think it needs to change, and and hopefully they change because otherwise you're just going to turn people off. I've got a good great text in, uh, text in here about the grand final, which I'll read out shortly. But um, Kimby, let's just go through Para and um, Penrith to start our end of year review. Maybe let's start with. Um, Parramatta, who um, stormed into the top four late, um, right at the end of the season. They finished on 34 points. 16-8 and eight was the win-loss record, uh, 119-plus uh, points differential. They lost to the Panthers in the first uh, finals week. Then they won their elimination finals against the Raiders and the Cowboys, of course, losing the grand final. Um, what are some of your, your highlights and your lowlights of, uh, of the Parramatta season? Well, you'd think that you know the only team that beat Penrith twice in the regular season had a chance in the grand final, which they got there. Um, the, the two games that they lost were both in the final, so you know it just goes to show you how far ahead of everyone uh, Penrith are. For me, one of the biggest highlights was Dylan Brown stepping up. Mm-hmm. You know, not only stepping up for Parramatta, but uh, I guess after Benji Marshall and the Kiwi team, after Sean Johnson and the Kiwi team, we now have another good ha- half coming through along with Jerome Hughes. So for the World Cup, we're looking in, in good good stead there. Um, Brad Arthur was a surprise. You know, a lot of people were talking about Brad Arthur not being able to, to get this team to the finals. And, and then once he got him to the finals, it was about winning finals. You know, you've got to remember that Parramatta are one of the, the biggest supported teams in, in Sydney. Yeah. And... Uh, it's a really hard job to have, and, and for 36 years they haven't brought that title home. So uh, for me, the biggest surprise was Brad Arthur, being able to, to slowly build this team. He brought Zai Papali over from the Warriors, who wasn't getting the, the game time, turned him into a champion, um, even though they lose him going to, to West, uh, Western Tigers next year. Um, but just, you know, Mitchell Moses the same. You know, uh, Cuth- um, Cuthbertson in the back, 
you know, these players that were sort of on the scrap heap, he brought them over and he built and he built a team out of them. And um, if there was one highlight for me, it was just how he built that team and got them through the grand final. Um, one thing that stuck out for me, Kempe, and, and it's just been a story of Parramatta for me over the last sort of 10 or so years, is just that inconsistency. I mean, it's great. Obviously, they made a grand final. But when you look at throughout the season, you know, they lost to the Tigers, of course, uh, by one point, and they ended up getting the wooden spoon. Uh, they lost to the Bulldogs pretty heavily. And then, you know, just and even the inconsistency in the finals. We talked about last week, you know, them... It's great they got that win over the Cowboys, but they lost on the stat sheet. You know, the Cowboys really should have won that game. So, you know, is that really the key for them moving forward? They've got to sort out, you know, winning consistently, performing consistently. Not what, One thing they really suffered from is where they'd win a big game and then they'd go and lose to last place. You know, they beat Penrith and then they go lose to the Bulldogs. Yeah. And it's sort of just getting those wheels turning consistently so that, you know, they, they're regularly making top fours and grand finals. Yeah, oh, look, I don't think it's just a Parramatta problem, Sam. I think it's across the board apart from Penrith. Now, if you look at uh, one of the, the the stats that came through post-grand final, Penrith won every grade. Therefore, if you dig deeper into that, they are all in a system which they understand. So you can move players around, and we've seen that two mm. or three times this year where they've left players out and other players have just stepped in and, and they each, each know each other's role. Really hard for other clubs to emulate that. you know. So when you're losing players, when you're losing form, um, when you're winning big games, losing um, games that you should have won the week before, you've got to have a look at Penrith and what they're doing. You know, so I just don't think it's a, a Parramatta problem. I think that uh, inconsistency across the competition is around their development models, mm-hmm. and I can see a lot of clubs looking at uh, what Penrith have been doing and and trying to emulate it. And they've and to be honest, they have to do that really quickly. Otherwise, Penrith are going to dominate for years. Just quickly, because we do have to quickly get on to Penrith before taking a break. Um, departures for 2023. So they're losing Murata Niakora, uh, Isaiah Papali'i, sorry, Nakora going to the Warriors, Papali'i going to the West Tigers, Oregon Kafusi's going to the Sharks, Ray Stone to the Dolphins, and Tom Opacic is going up to Super League. Uh, they are getting Josh Hodgson from the Raiders, uh, Jermaine Hopgood from the Panthers, and Gerard Momoyasia from the Knights. So uh, just, I guess, looking at the ins and outs, looking at the season this year, what do you sort of think Pair is looking at for 2023? Yeah, look, I think they'll struggle losing uh, two Kiwi internationals. It's a, that's, the big, that's a big loss. You know, Zai Papali'i and Nakoro both, both um, playing on the edge, right edge and left edge. So cover that. To not bring anyone else in to cover that is a bit of a problem because that's where most of your attack goes to. And we know how, how much they played a big part in Parramatta's attack this year. So uh, not bringing in players to replace them of the same calibre, I think uh, he's got his work cut out for him next year. Top four? Uh, I think they can still make top four depending on who plays hooker with Reed Mahoney going as well. Yeah. Uh, so what's your grade for Parra for 2022? I've given him an eight. Out of 10. Okay, nice. 8 out of 10. All right, now uh, let's quickly do the Panthers. And I, I mean, there's not too much to say. We all know how good they are. Um, first in the competition, 42 points, uh, 120 lost for a 306 points differential. And they just stormed through the finals, beating Parra in the first round, Rabbitohs in the semi final, and then winning the grand final as well. Just before we take a break, Kempi, uh, just, I guess, your highlights uh, of, the Parra, of the Penrith season. Well, watching their football all year and just how consistent they were. Dylan Edwards was a big standout for me. I thought he, he was, was outstanding all year. Um, just the way that they can change and interchange players in and out of positions um, and through grades is outstanding. Uh, Ivan and Nathan uh, Cleary, uh, a father-son combination doing so well and could be absolute dynasty at that club as long as they, they stay together. Um, but the question that the other question that I've, I've got on them is losing Kikau and Curacao two big spots uh, for next year. And the other part that probably no one's talked about is out of the 20 top um, 
30 players that they have in the club, 20 of them are going up to the World Cup, which means that they'll have no off-season, mm. which means that they'll probably start a little bit behind the eight ball. And the, it's, a, it's a week earlier the competition kicks off next year. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Ivan maintains that momentum going in through the whole of next year because mm. you're going to get some tired players. And, yeah, Dylan Edwards, player of, player of the year for Penrith this year. I mean, you could pick a, a, from a bunch of them, but uh, he stands the, out. Yeah, hands down. Think yeah, it's really over. hard on a Penrith side that is consistently winning because yeah. you can pick one of a half a dozen, can't you? Yeah, and they all sort of just do their job, don't they? they I mean, I would say they're not flashy because they're all world-class, but you know they don't have the tedesco Latrell type factor, but they just all, you look at the stats, Dylan Edwards averaged over 220 metres a game. Yeah, the energizer buzz, um, bunny. You yeah. know, you, you give him a, you give him a jersey and a ball and and let him play, and he's the first bloke I'd put on the team sheet. I'm really surprised that he didn't make the Australian side. Yeah. I thought he played himself into the Australian side in the grand final. It would have been hard to leave him out. I know he's on standby, um, but they're just blessed with fullbacks. You yeah, know, Tedesco, Trebojevic, Mitchell, and the and the list goes on and on. Mm. Um, Dylan Edwards, for me, he'd play fullback for any other country that's at the World Cup. So leaving the Panthers at the end of this year, Abby Corusel, Isaiah Katoa going to the Dolphins, Robert Jennings going to the Dolphins, Jermaine Hopgood to the Eels, like I mentioned before, Sean O'Sullivan to the Dolphins, and Viliami kick out of the Bulldogs. They're getting Luke Garner in from Wests for 2023. So uh, first of all, what's your grade for the 2022 season for the Panthers, Kempe, and what do you reckon 2023 looks like? I would give them a 10 out of 10, apart from the way that they celebrated that grand final win. So I had to um, take a point off them, give them a 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, look, they, they lose some good players. As I Couture, the young halfback that was uh, earmarked for replacing either Cleary or um, Luai, is a big loss. Like, I mean, a, a big loss because you don't know who is going to replace um, Curacao now that he's head to the, headed to the West Tigers. And I know they've got Luke Garner coming in from West Tigers in the back row. Mate, he ain't no kick out. No. Nah. <laughs> I don't know if there is a kick out on the competition. Abs- no, nah, absolutely not. The Bulldogs, I'm really keen to, to talk to you about there next year because they've got some great recruits coming in. Um, let's take a break. Uh, you can text through double eight double three your thoughts on uh, our end-of-season reviews. After the break, we'll go through from the bottom, starting with the West Tigers in 16th, and we'll also talk about the Warriors before we take some news. We'll be back after this. Welcome back into Running It Straight. We are going through all 16 clubs and uh, giving our end-of-year review of each one. There's some good texts coming in here on double eight double three as well. I'll get to those just after news. Before we get to news, though, let's start at the bottom in 16th and talk about the Tigers' season, Kempe. Um, probably their worst showing in the comp uh, since they entered the NRL in 2000. Had the worst start to a season they've ever had. We're going 0-5 across the first five games. Uh, they've got a couple of good wins. Uh, the one-point thriller against Parramatta, and then they won against, I think, Souths was at the next weekend um, by one, but of course Michael Maguire let, uh, let go by the club uh, just after round 13. They finished with the wooden spoon. Just a yeah, a season to forget for, for West Tigers fans. Yeah, and, and probably the biggest game they lost was the, the boo-boo by Ashley Klein when he uh, allowed that kick-off kick yeah. and penalty for the Cowboys to, to, to go ahead and kick that winning goal. Uh, fighting for their lives in the wooden spoon at that stage. So uh, Jackson Hastings was a good good um, recruit from England, coming back from England and, and playing for them. I thought he was really solid through there. They obviously can't get Luke Brooks to fire. Um, could be on the move up to Newcastle by all accounts. Uh, again, there's coaches galore getting let go from the, the clubs this year. Michael Maguire being one of them, along with Trent Barrett and from Canterbury, those bottom teams, yeah, struggling big time, um, mate. They were very, very poor. The worst thing about the West Tigers, they got a very, very good catchment area. So they're mm. Western Sydney as well, um, and and of course Balmain being a, a 
you know, a very, very good um, um, area normally with the Farrers and, of course, the Benji Marshalls. Interesting with Tim Sheen's taking back Benji and, and Robbie Farrer for the next couple of years. I'm looking for a push next year. I think they'll do some recruitment on the off-season. They'll change some attitudes. I think they'll shift some players on. And um, I think they'll start to build from here going in. But they'll be still hanging around the bottom next year. Yeah, I'll so do, I've yeah, only given them a two. I was going to say, so Parramatta got an eight. Penrith got a ten. You're giving the Wests uh, two. Um, I'll go through the recruits very, very shortly. But uh, actually, I will go through them now. So leaving uh, at the end of this year, Luke Garner's going to the Panthers. Kel Matualangi's going to the Seagulls. Thomas uh, McAuley is going to Warrington. Jack, uh, Jock Madden going to the Broncos. And Jacob Little was going to the Dragons. They're bringing in Api Korosau from the Panthers as a big one. And Isaiah Papali'i from the Eels. Uh, Tristan Riley's coming over from the Waratahs, Rugby Union. And David Nofaluma coming back from the Storm after that uh, loan period for him. Uh, Oliver Gildart from the Roosters coming back uh, coming back from a loan to the Roosters. So, I mean, is there are there any, I guess, positives that you saw this year and looking at that for next year that may suggest that they can do a bit better or you're Oh, 100%. Not That's what I mean. I think they're building, they'll be building well. I think signing a, a nine and a decent one in Uppy Curacao, as long as he can stay on the football field, is really good. The other thing that you've got with Ozai and Uppy is that they're both grand finalists. Mm. So they bring that experience about preparation, uh, making sure how you can show up consistently throughout the year, and they'll be driving that off the field along with Benji who uh, on the training field's an absolute beast. So yeah, yeah, I'm looking for a major attitude shift this year. You know, they've had some some real turmoil with uh, Maguire, Kamali. Um, you know, Tim Sheen's coming in, looking for a coach, can't find one, decide to take it over himself. I think they'll get some stability over the off-season. Not many... <laughs> Not many players here would be representing in the in the World Cup, so they should have a full roster to, to get a decent off-season into them. All right, there you go, Tigers with a 2 out of 10 from Kempe for 2022. We're going to hit the Warriors after the news. I'm also going to go through a few of your texts, and then uh, we'll basically go up the ladder from there, 14th, 13th, 12th, and 11th, before we hit the 3 o'clock news, and then we'll do the other eight teams after 3 o'clock. So uh, coming up after news, we will go through the Warriors. Oh, I tell you what, if they played this on the Penrith Panther bus going through the city, you would have had Tony Kemp right at the front, goggles, goggles on, the shades. Oh, I still remember that year, 1989, <laughs> playing the Aussies when that came out. Loved it. Well, yeah, this is uh, live from Kempi's personal playlist here on uh, Running It Straight. Uh, we are doing our end-of-year review, going through all 16 NRL teams and looking at how they went in 2022, giving them a grade and looking at uh, what's on the horizon for 2020. Three, um, just before we get to the Warriors, who finished in 15th, can be a couple of good texts in here. One, uh, that, sort of a two-parter here from Junior. It says, uh, Para got the grand final jitters. Only other teams that could have challenged Penrith are Roosters and Storm. Penrith got the monkey off their back last year and played like they enjoyed the moment this time round. Cowboys and Sharks would have froze too. Panthers froze in 2020, hence why the Storm got off to a flyer at the beginning of that grand final. Experience is everything. And then he's followed that up with, on that note, um, I hope Whitelock, Cody Taylor, Bowden Barrett, Savia, ALB, Mawanga are all at the World Cup for the All Blacks next year, pivotal in the big games and the knockout stages. Um, so sort of hinting, I guess, at yeah, that experience. And, and I sort of agree with him, Kempi. I think this year the Panthers just look like, and some teams struggle after winning a grand final. They sort of, it's that second year syndrome, but they just look like they were free. And they just were just going through the motions, and and that grand final was just so meticulously planned out. 
um, that they almost knew what was going to happen. And timing, you know? and timing, eh? Because if you look at if you look at it, timing, it looks like Parramatta timed their run a week too early. Correct. The Cowboys they timed their run two weeks too early. Um, Cronulla getting knocked down straight sets. They they obviously have were burnt burnt out right at the back end of the season. And experience did get them home. Like we've we've said all year, it's Penrith to lose. Everyone saw that the writing on the wall after last year. And when you're looking at timing, I haven't taken 13 players out in the last round. Mm. You know, Nathan Cleary coming back after five weeks off, and then they have another week off, and everyone, very, very good pundits saying, we think they might be a little bit underdone, and come out and turn in a grand final performance like that, you've got to take your hat off to their team Mm. of coaches and and scientists and whoever who prepared this grand final, because you're dead right, Sam, it was... The, the the T's and the I's yeah. were dotted and crossed it, 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 everywhere. It, it felt like the, the way I explained it to people on Sunday, uh, on Monday after the game was it felt like that they sat down at the start of the season and they looked at the grand final and everything was planned towards that grand final, whereas a lot of teams are just planning to make a top eight or a top four or, or sort of making the final. Theirs was, we're going to be there. This is what we do you know, to get there and get in between and all this. It was just very, very and experience, thorough. And experience is dead right. You know, the, the texter said the experience is exactly right. The grand final week is really tough, and it did look like a couple of the players were shell-shocked when they, by the time they got out there at 8 o'clock at night mm. in Sydney. Yeah. And Polo, the biggest player that should have been laying the platform for Parramatta so they could get on the front foot, I thought was one of them. Yeah, Rory also says, do you think if the Roosters were in the grand final, it would have been a totally different game? I reckon the Roosters, with some of their players, especially their forwards, would have been focused on just smashing the Panthers physically out of the game. I think that they were a team that has experience as well. I, I do think had another one of those teams been there, it could have been a lot closer. But I guess that's something we'll never know. Right, let's keep going through our end-of-year reviews. Uh, we'll go to the Warriors now, uh, our favourite team. And they finished in 15th, of course, just one spot away from the Wooden Spoon. 14 points, got six wins from 18... Uh, sorry, six wins, 18 losses. And uh, the worst defence in the comp, minus 292. That is pretty grim reading. Of course, the year was tainted with all sorts of controversy. Matt Lodge will remember that saga. Um, they sacked Nathan Brown mid-season. Stacey took over. They came home to Mount Smart. Um, and then it sort of just kept going on from there, Kempe. But, uh, yeah, what do you make of a, of a pretty long and arduous uh, Warriors season in 2022? Well, I think it's it's bigger than that, Sam. I think it has been a long three years of covid um, where at the back end of it, a lot played out for the Warriors. They've reset even as as early as yesterday. Another player's gone, and um, Pene, who's who's been released from the club, they've signed a, a young boy from St George. Um, and I think the rebuild is still happening in, in behind closed doors. Uh, look, losing Nathan Brown as coach, uh, I think of the first first stage when they couldn't secure Todd Payton. And then had to go after another coach, and then Nathan Brown, you know, was a victim of the COVID and his family growing and wanting to stay over there. And then all the players coming and going, the Australian boys not wanting to come home. Uh, I think it was all just basically down to not being here and not building anything over here for the last three years. And yeah. we're starting to realise that even even individually, you know, like the lockdown has catching up on everyone of what that's actually mean because yeah. a lot of people's lives have passed them by and you can't get those three years back. So totally. if there's a positive here, it's that they're home next year. Yeah. You know, people um, can now look forward to, to getting behind and supporting the team. And I think that the Warriors are one of those teams that really need that home ground advantage. And you've got to remember that in the last three years, they haven't had any home ground advantage, even though they've been up at Redcliffe. It's not their home. No. You know, so uh, you can give them a, 
a bit of a, I guess a bit of leeway over over this season. I thought it didn't pan out what they thought how they thought it was. Stacey Jones would never you would never see it at the beginning of the year. Stacey Jones would end up at he, as head coach and and trying to keep them off um, the bottom of the table. You wouldn't say that you know they're going to have all these problems with Matt Lodge and 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 the, and the likes and and you know. We get home for one or two games at the back end of the year, like just the way yeah. that it panned out for them. They've done it really tough. So, um, ending up where they ended up isn't surprising. Uh, but you know, next year's a new a new dawn for them, I think. And although they've used that COVID experience and that COVID as an excuse, you can't do that from next year. No, on. I think yeah, for sure the buck stops next year. Um, it's interesting, you know, like I felt the focus this year wasn't on the rugby league. There was just so much else going on that it was almost like the game that we got on the weekend was just, you know, the subproduct to everything else. So I think finally we, next year we can we can really focus in on the footy. A couple of um, highlights, obviously coming back to Mount Smart, massive highlight, um, playing that against the Tigers, getting the win. We called it from the amazing atmosphere, um, you know, almost emotional um, as they ran back out the old tunnel and onto the ground. Um, but then you got, you know, games like that Melbourne game, which was a, you know, a a real low point in the club's probably history, um, let alone that season. Um, what about players who who stood out for you in twenty twenty two? Oh, look, I thought Torhu Harris's captain stepped up. You know, stepped up to the plate. I thought, um, you know, the front row especially tried hard week in week out, but they just couldn't settle on a back row. They were too small. Urinake and coming out of the centres and in the back row, Murchie, they just keep changing around on the left and the right, and it just they couldn't really settle anywhere there and of course the back line was consistently poor defensively while yeah. they ended up at the back end of the the competition as the worst defensive record on 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 um on record uh look they need to do something about the defense next year Andrew Webster when he comes in he needs to change that up uh I'd definitely change a defensive coach because he's had a shocker and um make sure that they don't end up in that position again next year uh, I have had a look at their recruits though and I think that they've recruited okay yeah, so leaving uh, at the end of the season, of course, you and Aitken's going to the Dolphins. Reese Walsh going back to the Broncos. Alisa Katoa going to the Storm. Aaron Pena uh, has been released and Jack Murchie also been released. But coming in for 2023, and I would say the Warriors have sort of recruited the most aggressively of all the teams. Uh, Marata Niakore from the Eels. Luke Metcalf from the Sharks. Dylan Walker from the Seagulls. Mitch Barnett from the Knights. Charles Nickel Clockstad from the Raiders. And Tamari Martin from the Broncos. Just before we look at 2023 and those recruits can be what what are you grading 2022 for the Warriors I'm giving them a three I don't think they're they'd be happy they're quite quite lucky to get a three actually I was going to put them down there with the West Tigers with a two because of what happened off the football field there's more dramas off it than there were on it Um, but given that they've recruited well I think you know if you look at the three Kiwi current Kiwi internationals and Tamari Martin, um, Nicol Clogstead and Nakori that have headed up to England. Uh, I think they've done well. Dylan Walker brings a, a world of experience there, um, having played in in some big games and of course with Manly and Luke Metcalf and Mitchell Barnett. Mitchell Barnett could possibly be a, another uh, Campo, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and, and play yep. that role for the club. And Metcalf, from what we saw when he played those last couple of games in the back here for Cronulla, showed some potential. So I just hope that, you know, as it has panned out in years gone by, that these players come over here and the worries have been the worst thing for them. Let's, mm. let's hope that these players come over here, their attitude is right, the club is in a good space and they can actually perform. Because having three internationals come onto your roster uh, is quite a significant 
change. Yeah, and I think too, with, to your point with Mitch Barnett, and you look at guys like Matt Lodge, if you can keep them away from suspensions, they're very good players because they're aggressive and because they're tough. You know, it, it straddles the line sometimes. You just hope that they don't fall into the trap of going through the suspensions. If they don't, um, then they're very good pickups. And we've got to take a break, Kempi. Um, when we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Knights and the Titans season. I've got a text in here on the Knights. So we'll go through the Knights and the Titans after this. Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Just like that. Have your say on the great game of rugby league. 0800 150 811. This is Running It Straight on SCNZ. Oh, I'm, I'm really scared we're going to run out of time this show. We're trying to go through all 16 teams, but yeah, lots of... Hour. I know, lots of texts coming in here, Kimby. Can you answer these ones very quickly for me, just off the back of the Warriors? Do we see Ronald Volkman getting much game time in 2023? I think, the Vol- I think Volkman gets... Good game time next year. I think he's the half pairing with Tamari Martin. That's how they end up next year. So no Sean? I think eventually, I think they'll end the season with Volkman yeah. and Tamari yeah. Martin. I like that. Um, another one says, question for Kempi, do you know much about the Kipu twins we have on the books? Yeah, I do. Are, Kip- they, are they as good as people claim? Yeah, they're big boys. They need development. One of the problems that the Warriors have is releasing their players too early before they develop. They are big boys. They are well into the 110 plus kilograms, six foot two plus height. Uh, big boys that have played you know, through the grades here in New Zealand and need time to develop as they do as a front rower. And front rowers are late maturers, so yeah. hopefully they get the time to do that, and yes, they can play. And he also asked if Tohu will play prop again next year. Well, he's got, they've got no choice. They've mm. got no choice because we haven't got the depth. Uh, Mark also said, boys, whoever coaches power next year can use all of that Penrith rubbish as motivation. I I think so. I think a lot of clubs will use it as motivation. Seeing oh, them. You're, and you're yeah. dead right, yeah. Sam. I don't think it's Parramatta that are looking to um, knock people off their pedestal. I think every club will use it as motivation. Right, let's go through uh, the night season for 2022. They finish in 14th spot, 14 points, 6 wins, 18 losses. They started very, very well winning against the Roosters in round one. That was a big shock for me. And then the Tigers, and they were sitting atop the ladder, but then they um, had a dreadful rest of the season. They won just two of their 12 home games in Newcastle. Um, of course, Caelan Ponga um, was out injured, basically the back half of the season. So, yeah, just a, just one of those sort of nightmarish seasons for the Knights. Well, it is for me being an old boy. Joey Johns showed um, glimpses of what it what impact he had when they started the season off and their attack looked really good, but it folded once Kalen Ponga. The big, big problem with Kalen Ponga is concussion. Mm. So whether or not he can play out the rest of his career, it's looking very, very sketchy. Um, and looks like he only wants to play in the big games. He doesn't want to play consistently club, club-wise. You know, that stuff that happened in the toilets, you know, as a captain, I can't see him retaining the captaincy next year. But two guys, one heading up to England and um, Tex Hoy, his father was was on the surfing tour. I thought they should never have let him go. He's a really yeah, good kid. They should have kept him. And Dom, Dominic Young, I thought it was a standout, absolute yeah. standout for them. Yeah, so what, are you, what grade are you giving them to? I give him a three. Adam Elliott, can he make a change coming from Canterbury? You know, the, Cam, the Canberra came from Canberra, yep. helped Canterbury out. Can he do the same at Newcastle? Yeah, I think Newcastle have to go back to their development model, their development model and develop from within their um, catchment area. So yeah, departing them for 2023, Mitch Barnett to the Warriors, Edric Lee to the Dolphins, Dry Mamoisia to the Eels, Tex Hoy going up to Super League, Anthony Milford to the Dolphins, and uh, Soa Sosu going up to Super League as well. They're getting Adam Elliott from the Raiders, Jack Hetherington from the Bulldogs, and Tyson Gamble from the Broncos. Um, just maybe you can answer this one from Buller Joe over in Australia. He said, do you think Ponga can play like he does in Origin for the Knights, um, but do you think they can rise up the ladder in 2023? Yeah, does does Tyson Gamble go into six and, and really make that much of a change for 
the bloke playing number one, Kalen Ponga? No, nah, I don't think so. I think you're only going to see Ponga play well in Origin. Are they going to go up the ladder? No. <laughs> right, quickly before our, uh, our next break, Titans, who finished in 13th, uh, 14.6 wins from 18 as well, just a, a negative 205 points differential. A lot of um, you know hype around them, given that they made the top eight last year and potentially could have gone on if, uh, if old um, former Warrior, name eludes me, could have passed the ball out on the wing. Uh, Herbert. Yeah, um, Patrick, Patrick Herbert. Herbert. Patty Herbert could pass the ball. Um, so yeah, a disappointing. <laughs> to, to, to David Fafita. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> come on, man. Uh, yeah, a disappointing uh, season for them, Kempe. They still have a lot of stars in that squad, and uh, the the good news, I guess, for well, Justin Holbrook is that the Titans have faith in him. They didn't get rid of him like some of these other teams did. And they were sitting bottom for quite a lot of the season as well. They just picked up some wins towards the end there. So, what do you reckon, Titans twenty twenty two? Well. You know, the million-dollar question, you got Kieran Foran going up there, who's right at the back end of his career, even though he's been taken up in the World Cup squad. Uh, you know, it's always been touted as the retirement village up there in the Gold Coast, you know, the sun, the surf, the beaches, um, and older blokes going up there and playing. Well, I think they'll probably be in the same position next year. I can't see, you know, David Fafida or the, all the recruitments making a change of the way that David Fafida um, plays. Tenor uh, Fossil Malu- Maluai, I think he was probably the standout for them this year, um, making the kangaroo side. I think they've, they've picked him to try and stop the Kiwis up at the World Cup. And based on the season that he had coming up from Melbourne, um, yeah, they can build something around that kid. I think he's a, he's a, a great player. So departing them for 2023, Jared Wallace is going to the Dolphins. Jermaine Asako going to the Dolphins as well. Will Smith has been released and Kevin Proctor released as well. Uh, coming in, like you mentioned, Kieran Foran from the Seagulls and Sam Verrills from the Roosters as well. So what are you, what are you grading Titans for 2022? I've given them a three. Okay, and what next year, can they get up from 13th? Do you reckon they can push themselves no, back to the top No, I think they'll be around the same place. Yeah, I, yeah. I think they're struggling again in the nine and the seven and the six. Mel Meninga effect not sort of, you know, Taking too much, or no, not providing too much. He's taking plenty for the kangaroos job. <laughs> I know that. But yeah, look, I I just don't think that they're recruiting that well. You know, I mm. know David Fafita's ch- taken a big chunk out of it. Um, they they really need to get a halfback and a hooker. Mm. Interesting. Okay, we're going to take one last break. Uh, when we come back, we'll try and squeeze in uh, the Bulldogs uh, before we cover off the other eight teams after three o'clock. Stay with us. You know I bleed red and black. The city of my champions, Crusaders. This is SENZ, 1260 AM. Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Just like that. Hard-hitting analysis of one of the greatest games on earth. We're talking rugby league. This is Running It Straight on SENZ. Welcome back into Running It Straight here on ECNZ. We are coming up to t- uh, 3 o'clock. Uh, Sam Hill alongside Tony Kemp, and we are going through all 16 clubs this year, giving them a grade and looking at what uh, this season looks like for 2023. Um, we're not going to get to a team before 3 o'clock. Keep yourself, I'll just read out this text, or get you to read out this text from Sam in Auckland. Yeah, this is a good one, actually. It's, it's coming a couple of times this week. It goes, hey guys, agree with Kemp. Instead of slagging off the opposition, why not just focus on themselves and their family? Speaks about... The culture at Penrith reminds me of a Māori proverb, which is a quote of Whakatauki. Kore te kumara e, e korero mā tōna akireka, which means the kumara doesn't speak of its own sweetness. And that's from Sam mm. in Auckland. Now, I agree totally with you, Sam, as as Māori, we do not jump on that pedestal because it's too easy to get knocked off. Mm, I agree. All right, we have a whole bunch of clubs to go through between three and four. Stay with us and keep your texts coming in on double eight double three. We will come back after news with Johnny Mac.
Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Your home for everything rugby league. This is Running It Straight with Tony Kemp and Sam Hewitt on SENZ. Oh, that is rugby league. Straight from the Tony Kemp playlist on Spotify, you can search it out. What's it called on your Spotify, Kempy? Oh, uh, Toff's Toff Nightclub. <laughs> Toff, <laughs> Mr. Vane. I thought, it was, I thought it was your gym playlist. Okay, uh, welcome back into Running It Straight. We are going through all the 16 NRL clubs and giving their end-of-year reviews. A good text in here on the Manly Seagulls, which we're going to get to very shortly. But, Kempy, let's just rip straight back into it. Um, the Bulldogs uh, are our next team in line. They finished 12th. 16.7 wins, 17 losses. They were sitting around the bottom for, uh, well, after 10, first 10 games, they sat on the bottom with just two wins. Um, but then they sat Trent Barrett, uh, Mick Potter came in, they started to turn things around, Matt Burden came alive, and the Bulldogs started to look like a side that was getting their act together. And then, for me, looking at the recruits coming in, you're starting to think it's things are starting to build down there. They're starting to get, get the wheels going. Doesn't it look like Penrith? Yes, it does. Doesn't it look like Penrith? What did he do? He sacked Ivan Cleary, kicked him back out of the wilderness. He went to the West Tigers. Didn't have the success because didn't have the team. And then they brought him back in once that development model. Phil Gould, you know, tip your hat to him. He does know what he's doing as far as developing uh, the side within. I think that they're probably the the talk of the town at the moment, the Canary Bulldogs. I'd get on them. I think they're the ones that are climbing the ladder next year. Mm-hmm. If you ever look what he's doing off the field, he's brought back the old boys. Uh, he's brought back Mealy. He's brought back um, Andrew Ryan back into coach and bring back that old coach of the most successful players at the club back in that uh, era. The Warriors could take take a, a tip out of the full gold book. And he is building a development model back at Canterbury Bankstown. And I think that they're the, they're, they're the quiet achievers going into next year. Trent Barrett losing his job. Felt sorry for him. Their best player, Matt Burton, uh, he can be anything. Obviously, man, the Kangaroos, he's up in the World Cup this year. He's going to be a little bit tired next year coming back. Mm-hmm. But they've signed Villami Kukau, I think, is a massive signing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that takes him from 12 into the 8. And Reid Mahoney, you know, you, there's not that many good hookers around, and especially grand final hookers. And Reid Mahoney could be the standout player for the Bulldogs next year. Yeah, so two grand finalists there on kick out and, and Reid Mahoney. Um, so, yeah, the highlight for me throughout the season, obviously they uh, demolished P- uh, Parramatta in round 14. They had a couple of really close games. They never really lost by a, by a massive margin. They did uh, generally keep the scores tight. Defence, probably a little bit of an issue. Though. They, they didn't have a trouble scoring. It was just uh, getting their defence um, getting their defence sorted. So uh, what did you give them for, for 2022 grade-wise? I gave them a 5 out of 10. I thought, I thought Mick Potter brought him in and, he, and he, he settled the ship. You know what I mean? They were jumping around all over the place at O'Carr at the beginning of the year, a lot of bravado and stuff like that. And when they sacked Trent Barrett and brought Mick Potter and they brought back in an older bloke that just sort of settled and calmed the waters down. And uh, they went out and started playing some decent football. So I think on the back of that, gave Phil Gould an opportunity to go and actually have a look at what they needed to sign and kick out. And I reckon the, t- the two best recruits of the year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They've, they've, hands down. They have won the uh, the recruitment the, uh, award for 2022. Um, Reid Marnie? Reid Mahoney. Well, you say Mahoney. The Australians say Marnie. And well, I think he's yeah. he said it's Marnie, but... Marnie. But yep. yeah, I think Just it is right. Um And that, so they're losing Jack Hetherington, Jeremy Marshall King, Paul Vaughan and Matt Dufty uh, for 2023. But what they're not... I wouldn't, you wouldn't put those down as, I guess, dramatic losses, Kempi? Well, I don't know about 
Jeremy Marshall King going to the Dolphins. I think you know they probably couldn't keep him because they couldn't compete with the money. But you know he is a he is going to be an international. He's going to get some football up in the UK, so he would be a better player. But n- none of those players. Jack Hetherington can't stay on the field. Um, he'll spend more time off it than on it. Paul Vaughan, you know, as a front row man, he's just a journeyman. He's going around the clubs and Matt D- uh, Dufty going up to the war- going up to Warrington. He had to move. You know, there's no there's no place for him in that team. Mm. Let's talk about Manly. Uh, they finished 11th on the table, 20 points, nine wins from 15 games, uh, minus 105 differential. Um, after finishing top four last year, going on a surge, they had the Dally Year medalist and Tom Dravojevic. They had pretty high hopes for 2022 Kempi, and I certainly had them deep in the top eight. Um, they won uh, five, I think they were five wins, five losses um, through their first 10 games before, of course, Turbo goes down injured and... Uh, it's one man band. Without Tom Travojevic, Manly just seemed to not win games, and that was pretty much the story of twenty twenty two. Yeah, I thought. Look, I think if Tom Travojevic doesn't play, then Manly really struggled, and and that's been proven over the last two years, not just this year. Um, a serious shoulder injury. Does he come back as the same player? Because he loved to carry the ball a hundred miles an hour into defensive lines. Um, I'm I'm saying yes. I think for me though, I think there's a massive issue off the field. And with yeah. some of the stuff that's been going on, I think there's a split in the camp, yeah. um, which people are just papering over the cracks that no one's talking about. And I think if Des doesn't sort this out in the off season, uh, Manly will be the biggest losers next year. Yeah, well, and there were even rumours of Des leaving as well. You know, like it's the unity I think is the key thing with Manly. It just doesn't seem to be there. I mean, they've still got um, really explosive players like De- Danny Cherry Evans. They've got um, Ruben Garrick, of course. But I mean, just quickly, Kibby, what Tom Travojevic. How does one player have so much influence on a side? What is it that he does that that transforms him from a side that, that doesn't get near the eight to a side that does and potentially even cracks the top four? Well, Tom Trebojevic is Dylan Edwards on steroids. You know what I mean? So he's a, he and, and he's a gifted athlete. So he's a when you when you see him as a footballer as a coach, you you see him as a natural footballer. He's he's not programmed. He's not a robot. He just wants the ball in his hand. He just wants to carry the football and, and win football games. And you can't coach that. So what makes him so great is that he's got the physique. The mm. f- he's a physical specimen to do that. So if he could stay on the football field, arguably would be the best player that the NRL's produced over years. And I've said that for the last couple of years. But unfortunately for him, his body is not handling the NRL rigour of, of day in, day out because of, you know, and you get that with those short twitch fibres. So um, I think he needs to probably invest in a bit more money in himself and his body, get to understand it. Latrell Mitchell's story is a great one, how he done that this year. He's come back, he's played some really good football. I think Tom Trebojevic needs to do the same. But there is definitely a split in the camp. And I don't know what it is. You can see it. You obviously can see it in results. And I think Des um, knows that this is probably the writing on the wall. If he can't pull it together in the off-season, I don't think he even starts a season. Who was your player of the season for Manly? Oh, look, you can't really go past Jake Trebojevic, can you? You know, like he's he's Mr. Consistent. He came into the Origin Series. He changed that second game. Um I think he's a very, very good player. He's close to uh, Isaiah Yell as, as the modern-day 13 middle player that can ball play, play like a 5'8". Uh, defensively solid as, and, and even better on the football field when his brother plays. They've got a real good uh, combination going. Really interesting that the younger brother plays in the centres, and the three of them together could really start something uh, at Manly. But... You know, unfortunately for them, the game isn't just played with three players. You need the other 10 players to be on the same page. Someone's texting saying Olakuatu and Koala 
is it Koula? Ko- I always Koula, 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 and Olukwatu. Um, yeah, Olu Olu st- both of them. Yeah, stood out for for this person this year. I yeah, thought yeah. I thought Koula was was a great was a great um, standout for them in twenty twenty two. I thought he played well for Tonga too in the at fullback yep, yep. Um, against the Kiwis in mid year. And Olukwatu, he's a giant. He's a giant. He can be. He, the the thing with it, if you're all not on the same page and there is some issues there, you're not going to get the best out of your players. Mm. So they can play football. No. Don't disagree whatsoever, but what happened in the way that they finished the season because they had an absolute terrible finish to it um, says to me that there's something else playing out in the background. And Mike says you watch too much Police Academy, Kempi Mahoney. Is there a Mahoney in Police Academy? There must be. And, uh, yeah, wasn't he the guy with the, with the who could even do all the um, mimicking? Like, oh, that might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah might yeah. be right. Um, what about your grade for Manly for 2022? Oh, uh, look, really hard to, to to give Manly a better score than anyone else. I actually gave them a four. Four out of ten. Okay, and uh, just quickly, their uh, departures for 2023. Obviously, losing Kieran Four into the Titans, Dylan Walker coming to the Warriors, and uh, coming in is Kalmatulangi from the West Tigers. Uh, let's talk about the Dragons. They finished tenth on the table, 26 points, 12 wins, 12 losses, so 50% record. Uh, they had a minus 100 points differential. Um, yeah, they had a lot of people who had them as underdogs, I think, uh, to make the top eight after a pretty good preseason. But uh, we talked about that consistency with Parramatta. I think the Dragons are another team that really did lack that um, consistency, always floating in and around the eight, but never quite able to crack it. So, yeah, what did you make of the year? Yeah, Anthony Griffin, I thought, changed his team around too much during the year and couldn't get any consistency out of play. Um, you know, Ben Hunt, he, he had a good year. He had a really good year, but he just didn't have the team that he could roll out week in, week out and build on on the back of it. And and it's no wonder that they didn't roll into the eight. I thought, um, you know, Tarek Sims, you know, although he played Origin last year and and was a very, very good player, didn't play up to his, his own high standards um, this year for the Dragons. And some of the young blokes there, I think, needed a little bit more time to develop. Uh, we, we've got to look, we're going to lose a couple of those better players. I, I think one of them might be heading up to England. But, um, yeah... Anthony Griffin, I think he's on probably his last chance at St George here to try and get this team to fire. So, you know, losing Josh Maguire, I think Josh Maguire's at the back end of his career. It's, it's time that he did move up uh, up to the Northern Hemisphere. And Tarek Sims, I think, when you lose a player, of, and, and this is what I mean about Tarek Sims not being consistent for St George, when you lose a, a player of Tarek Sims' calibre to someone like the Storm, you know Tarek Sims is going to go down there and perform. Well, he's an origin player as well. Um, player of the season for the Dragons? Oh, Ben Hunt. Mm. By country mile. Yep. I, I picked Ben Hunt to pick up the, the Dally M, you know what I mean? So um, I think Ben Hunt, uh, for me, mate, any any coach in the NRL would have Ben Hunt. I agree, yeah. Great. Uh, they only got a four. Four? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, they're disappointing. I thought they should have They should have been pushing for the eight. Jacob Little coming in from the Tigers. You mentioned Tarek Sims, Josh Maguire heading away. Jer- uh, Jacob Little coming from Tigers. So 2023, do you see the moving up? Well, no. Look, I think... I think What are they missing, like pieces-wise? What do you reckon they're missing? Well, I think what they're missing is is someone who trusts that they need to pick a team and stick with it. You know, I, you know Anthony Griffin, I don't think, is getting the best out of that club. So you think personnel-wise, in terms of the players, they're okay? They've I do. Okay. I do. I think Sloan's a, a very good player that's been shifted around too much. I think um, the young... Amone. Amone, the uh, Tongan 5'8", I think is a very good player. 
but you know, for some reason, they just can't consistently stay in first grade. And I think when first grade, you have to persist with those players and give them that experience. And he, if he had done that during the year for the whole year, he would probably roll into next year feeling a hell of a lot more confident. Yeah, someone, uh, Izzy's texting here, Tyrell Sloan wasn't really given a shot to cement the fullback role. Cody Ramsey is not a natural fullback, so he's right on your page there, Kempe. Um, right, we're going to take a break very shortly, and then we're going to head into uh, top eight. But before we do, we've got to talk about the Broncos, who finished ninth, and I think we'll spend a little bit of time on this one, Kempe, because this really was the surprise of 2022 in in both ways. They, you know, About four weeks out from the finals, they were the smoky. They were the team we were predicting could do some upsets. <laughs> I'll, put the, Re- I'll, put the, I'll put the jinx you on them, You put the jinx on them. Adam Reynolds, you know, coming back from Souths, and, and people thought that Souths, uh, you know, made the right call letting him go, but it turned out to be a big mistake as, as he absolutely propelled the Broncos team into top four contention. Um, but then it just all fell off the boil towards the end. And I tell you what, if you're a Broncos fan you'd be very, very disappointed with how that season ended. Yeah, look, I, th- I think if uh, South could have kept Adam Reynolds for another year with that side that South rolled out this year, they probably they probably in the grand final. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? So Adam Reynolds was the best signing, uh, I think, of the year, one of the signings of the year for the Broncos because he changed that young Broncos side uh, by a lot. Adding Tamari Martin, putting him at fullback once they'd signed him, it also made it that shape, that shape and that shift work really well for him. And they were. They their run was superb through the middle of the middle of two towards the back end of the season, and they just ran out of steam. Absolutely ran out of steam. I think they played um, all of their best football through that mid part, and then when they got to the back where they needed to secure those games, they'd all just had had too much they football, clocked out, yeah. too much Total. football, too much mental strain on a lot of these young blokes. And, and unfortunately for Adam Reynolds, he couldn't carry them through. Um, and and the Broncos are one of those teams too that. You know, a lot of origin boys. You know, when you talk Paddy Carrigan, Payne Haas, um, Selwyn Cobbo, you know, a lot of guys um, involved in origin that seemed like after the origin period, I think you're right, they just looked tired. Oh, 100%. You know? And if you, if you go back to the Wayne Bennett days at Br- the Brisbane Broncos um, when he was coaching them, he would rest all his players pre and post origin. And you'd go, well, what, are you, what are you taking those players out? And he would always say, you've got to time your run well for the finals. You know, we're going to, we're going to make that finals, but you have to get your timing right. And I don't think Kevy Walters had that experience with that, this young Broncos side because you look at Payne Haas, he's arguably one of the best forwards in the competition. Paddy Carrigan in the Australian side, he can play. He's a, you know, you got, you've got um, Farnsworth up there for England. You know, there's so much, so much young talent across the board. Yeah, Katoni Staggs, Katoni Staggs. You know, but I think their run, they just, they, they, they got on a roll. And then I put the hoodoo on them and said they're going to make the final and be the grand finalist, and that was it. They couldn't win another game. <laughs> Your after. mistake can be. Uh, what about player of the season for them, Adam Reynolds? Uh, I would, I would, I would give it to Adam, Adam Reynolds. I think there were parts of the season where he was injured and they really suffered because of his injuries. But yep. when he when he was on and when he was playing well, he was by far the standout player for them. And I think you have to give it to him by the account that everyone up there was saying that his leadership off the field was really important. Did they they beat Souths in both games, didn't they? They won both their games Both games they South, beat Souths. So yeah, they yep. would have uh, really regretted that. So what are you grading them for this season? I'm giving them a four. Okay, yeah, probably fair. I mean, the first half you would have given them an eight. But yeah, I think if they the... finished the season off how I thought they were going to finish it, then they're probably going to skip through yeah. up into the finals quite yeah. well. But, mate, when they finished that season, couldn't get, get that uh, top eight spot. Well, of course not. You know, an average season is, if you, if you think about it, finishing the top eight, I think they're below average. They've done okay recruitment-wise. So leaving them at the end of this year, Brenko Lee going to the Dolphins, David Meads uh, retiring, Tamari Martin coming to the Warriors, and Tyson Gamble to the Knights. I mean, 
losses, but not big losses, and arriving is Reese Walsh, of course, from the Warriors. Jesse Arthurs is coming back from loan with the Warriors, and Jock Madden they picked up from the Tigers. So, you know, they've recruited pretty well, Kempi. What do you reckon is on the cards for 2023? Well, both Reese and Jesse go back into the system that they know. Um, I think Reese Walsh has gone back there, a better, better player for it, having spent time at the Warriors. So they've got some work to, to, to curb, uh, I guess, some, some pretty... F- uh, sh- shaky attitude issues that R- that Reese Walsh has, but hopefully Kevy Walters can do that. Jesse Arthur's, I, I can't believe they let Jesse Arthur's go. I thought they would have kept him at the Warriors. I thought he was mm-hmm. a very good player. Reminded me a hell of a lot of Nigel Wagner when he was coming through those junior grades. Um, losing David Mead to retirement, Brinko lead. You know, going to the going to the Dolphins. Tomorrow, Martin, I think is a big loss. And and Tyson Gamble, I think he's a he's a, I guess just too outspoken for them up there. You know, there's a couple of comments that he made about Kevy Walters. Done re- again. That's similar to what Penrith did on the weekend. Just didn't really know where he stood. Um, tried to get back out of it, but too late. Shif- mm. sh- shifted him on. I know Andrew John's got big reps on Tyson Gamble. Right. Okay. There you go, Broncos fans. Uh, a little bit positive heading into 2023. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we have cracked the top eight, and we will talk about the Raiders and their 2022 season. Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Just like that. Hard-hitting analysis of one of the greatest games on earth. We're talking rugby league. This is Running It Straight on SENZ. Welcome back into Running It Straight. We're coming up 3.30. Sammy and Kempe taking you through the 16 NRL teams uh, end-of-year review. Um, Big World Cup preview show coming up next Wednesday as the tournament kicks off next weekend. So we will be... uh, tucking into the Rugby League World Cup. Um, but we are now in the top eight for our teams this year, and uh, the Canberra Raiders finished in the eighth spot, of course winning the last game of the regular season to propel themselves into eighth position. 30 points on the table, 14 wins, 10 losses, plus 63 points differential. It was the second last game, wasn't it? And then they held on for the last game, wasn't it, Kimby? Um But yeah, sort of a, a, it's an interesting season for Canberra, who I wouldn't have picked in the top eight. Um, they had a few injuries um, here and there throughout the season. Of course, the big drama in the middle of the season was Ricky Stewart and his comments towards um, the Penrith uh, Jermaine Salmon. Um, but yeah, 2022, a bit of a weird one for Canberra Kempe. Yeah, like a pass mark, maybe. Yeah, of course, because they made the eight. You know, I'll, I'll say one word, uh, two words actually. Uh, Joseph Tarpany. Mm for Canberra. Mm-hmm. I thought he was outstanding, come of, come of age down there, uh, arguably along with Fisher, Harris and Leota, the, one of the best front runners. Think, you know, there's three Kiwis there uh, in the competition. And I thought him and um, Papali, they they basically set that tone for them to make the eight. And unfortunately, couldn't get the job done once they made it into the finals. But the only team to really challenge Melbourne. Yeah, well, yeah. They, was it three times or... Four times, four times, four times, times this year. They beat Melbourne. And they always had the wood on them, even going into that first semi final. Uh, Ricky Stewart being there, you know, you got to remember too that Ricky Stewart's Canberra through and through. Had all that success down there, won those those three grand finals, um, and really is driven to have success down in Canberra. The question is, does Ricky Stewart? get to retain this job? Is he the right person? You know how they're talking about Brad Arthur? Yeah. I think the same question has to be asked about Ricky Stewart. I agree. You know, so I, yeah, I th- I think Ricky's um, I'm not gonna say runner's course at Canberra, but I think he's exactly where Canberra are at. They're they're a top eight team, maybe a top six team at best. But as soon as they hit those top four teams, you just can't compare them. And I think maybe that's where Ricky's ceiling is. 
So maybe it is a, a coaching change that'll propel them because they, they definitely have talent. You know, and Canberra have always had talent, um, but. Uh, the young guy, the uh, Xavier Savage, um, you know, and then look at guys like Jack Whiten. Now they've got Tarpany in there. I mean, it's a it's a talented team, but yeah, it just doesn't doesn't seem to be firing, you know. No, and you know the question is why is Mel Meninga at the Titans when he should be down at Canberra running their football um, department? Uh, you know, he gets the blo- he gets the blokes like Josh Papali and gets them to decide to stay there down at Canberra. I think I think maybe that mix could be a little bit better, but. Uh, I think the the question needs to be in 2023 whether or not Ricky Stewart is the man to take this club forward. And yes, I think there's some very good players here. Jack White and Joseph Tarpany, you've just, you've just named two. Uh, you could actually build a a, a a franchise around them and and a premiership around them. But my question is now going to be whether or not Ricky Stewart can do it. Joey Tarpany, player of the player of the year, then. Oh, player, New Zealand player of the year. 100%. Um, grade for camera. I've given them a five. Yep, pass mark. Pass mark. Yep, fair yep. enough. And uh, leaving them this year, actually, no arrivals for Canberra in 2023, which is interesting. But uh, leaving them, Sam Williams is retiring. Josh Hodgson's going to the Eels. Ryan Sutton to the Bulldogs. Adam Elliott to the Knights. Charles Nickel Clockstead to the Warriors. And Harry Rushton is going up to Huddersfield. So 2023, big question mark over Ricky. But given, let's just hypothetically say he's the man and it's the team that we saw this year, are they a top eight team again in 2023, Kimby? Well, you'd have to say that, you know... Or are they on the cusp and battling it out with the Broncos and th- the Bulldogs? I think they and- are. I think they're, you know, I think the top four, top five teams pick themselves again next year and Canberra are down fighting through that mid-table to see who makes the eight. You know, especially with no acquisition. Mm. Let's uh, quickly bust through uh, South Sydney before we have to take uh, the news break. They finished uh, seventh in the regular season, 30 points, 14 wins, 10 losses, plus 130-point uh, differential. Won the uh, elimination final, first round against the Roosters, won the final against the Sharks as well, 38 points to 12 convincingly, uh, convincingly, and then lost to the Panthers in the semifinals. You know, a lot of talk around them heading into 2022, Kempe, no Wayne Bennett, uh, no Adam Reynolds, uh, but Jason Demetrio and uh, the Latrell factor. You know, as soon as Latrell came back in, and we've talked about it many times in the commentary, as soon as he came back in, that's a completely different team. And Lachlan Ilias started to fire, and all of a sudden we we had a team that was hot with momentum and many of us predicting would challenge Penrith. Didn't sort of end up being the case in that semi-final, but, you know, they were they were not far off. Well, they were they were challenging them until Latrell Mitchell threw those two passes and they got back to 12 all as opposed to yep. going in at halftime 13-0 up. Yep. You know what I mean? So um, I think... You know, Latrell Mitchell is better for this year and going into next year, he's only going to get better. That kid can play. Mm-hmm. All right? So he's the Greg Inglis of the, of the moment. Um, Ilias is definitely better for an, another year. I quite 100%. liked how he defended through the final series. Yep. There were question marks around him. He did some he did some good things through that, so he's going to be better. Dimitri, I'll take my hat off to him. No one picked him to be one game away of what I thought would probably be coach of the year. Mm. So I think the the nucleus of their team, they've got some good young kids coming through. They've got plenty of good size through the, the middle of the park. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll be there, thereabouts again next year. Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker, those two, they're oh. the key. They're the key to see what's going on again. Yeah, they're losing Mark Nichols to the Dolphins, Cody Nicarima to the Dolphins, but outside of that, they're not losing anyone. So they are going to be a force next year. So what do you, what do you grade them this I year? I got a six. Yep, okay, 6 out of 10. And 2023, you think, I'm thinking, Kempe, this team staying together, staying healthy, I think this is the top four team. I think it is. Oh, look, I, I, do, I think based on uh, Ilias getting through the year, 
all right, and having a, an, a, an up and down year, I think he's going to be well well versed to have a good off season and get back out there, and he'll be better for it. Mm. Okay, there you go. These are South Sydney Rabbitohs review for 2022. We'll take some news with Johnny Mack when we come back. Uh, we will take a look at the Chooks, who finished sixth on the ladder. Uh, Kempe, we are going through <laughs> we are going through all 16 NRL teams and having a look at their uh, 2022 years. Let's look at the Chooks, who finished in sixth position. 32 points, 15 wins, 9 losses, a plus 201 points differential. They lost the elimination final first week to South Sydney. Of course, now I had... Um, I had the Roosters as my minor premiers uh, to start the season. I had them top four. I had them as uh, you know definite favourites. But yeah, that inconsistent where it comes up, they just didn't fire in the first half of the season and I would say weren't relatively affected by injuries but did come right in the second half, rode momentum and we said of all the teams, in that, of the 16 clubs, of all the teams that are the most dangerous with momentum, it's the Sydney Roosters, and they they racked up some big scores in those last few games heading into the finals. Yeah, look, I think you might see a bit of a change going on. I think Luke Carey and his concussions a bit of a problem. Sam Walker gets better as the games go on, um, but they've definitely got a problem in a, in a small one and getting the mix right because they've got the players across the board. Joseph Manu in centre, I think, is a waste in Sydney City, and we've seen that when they moved them 5 8 and him and Tedesco hit it off and put that big score, um, a couple of big scores on when they had that combination going. So, uh, definitely decent forward pack. Victor, Victor Radley, Jared Warrior Hargraves back in the Kiwi team for his third World Cup. Uh, across the board, you would have thought that they were top four material mm-hmm. and fighting for minor premiers, but they just they've missed the, they've missed the, what I'm going to call is a is a is the glue is the little piece that's missing to get the whole ship firing. I think they're firing they're a V8 firing on six cylinders. So and I you know what I think the key is mm-hmm. I think the key is Joseph Munn five eight. Yeah, I know you you you're always talking about that, and I don't mind it as well. Big big piece for them though in 2023 is Brandon Smith. Is that oh. the is that the piston and the engine that's gonna we haven't talked about the acquisition, but you know the problem that they've had is that they've gone into this number nine um, position after having so so much success there uh, previously with a without a recognised number nine, mm. and then they go yep. and sign Brandon Smith in the off season. Um, I would be surprised if they're not favourites to to, to, yeah, to make the top four next year. Because you look at you know Tedesco, Swali, uh, Daniel Tupo, then you got Joey Manu, um, and then your halves. We've got you know Kerry and Walker for now, but then you got Brandon Smith as your nine, and then that that big imposing physical as someone mentioned on the text machine Ford pack. Um, gee, Kempi, it's hard to go past them, but. You know, things didn't just quite click for them this year, and I just sort of wonder if you're going to see the same. I don't think you will, but that is there is a question mark there. I think who who um, was who, who stood out for you in 2022? Do you think from from that side? Uh, Victor Radley stands out for me. That's the way that he plays the game. You know, like he's just he's got to stay clean. He's he, just got to stay clean. It's really tough these days with with that type of um, game, which is old school, and and not getting yourself in trouble. Yeah, but he brings back a lot of you know old school type play and the way that he defends, the way he carries the ball, he stands up for his players. Um, for me, he was probably one of the standout players. Joey Manu, um, I thought was outstanding. Mm. You know, losing him to injury basically cost them their finals uh, run. And and having Joey Manu there, I thought he was keeping that up his sleeve. I've been saying it all the time that um, Trent Robinson, well, he's going to bring them bring Joey Manu into 5-8 and make that make that switch so that he fired up to Desco but wasn't to be because of the injury that he picked up but going into next year adding Brandon Smith to the side a fit Joey Manu um, mate they've got Suwali 
firing again. You know, he's a kid. You, you watch how much that kid grows in the off season. Yeah. You know, oh, he's still he's only 20, 19, 20. Yeah, yeah. And and I think we put that to bed too with his manager saying, you know, you need to get rid of Tedesco to put uh, Suwali back to fullback when he the and the cards fall for him. And he, Tedesco gets knocked out and gets put put back their fullback um, against South and just made some really poor decisions. He ain't ready for that position yet. So um, I think he moves from the wing to the centres. I think he goes to centre next year, and then from there. I think Suwali could be anything. Uh, the uh, departures for 2023, uh, Siasua Takiaho is going to uh, the Super League. Daniel Saluka Fafita is going to the Rabbits. Uh, Oliver Gildart to the West Tigers after his lone stint at the Roosters. And then Sam Verrills is going to the Titans. Uh, did I ask for a grade? I don't think I asked for a grade, did I, for the Roosters? No, you, you haven't yet, but I gave him a six. I thought they were they were just above average for the year. I thought they let themselves down because they you know, have the team that should be in the top four. Um, God, I'm just going to give them a, a bit bit of a tip tip of my hat to Suwai Tukiaho. Uh, I think he's been a, you know, could left the Warriors. They couldn't find a spot for them. He went over to 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 Sydney City, he he went to work, found his found his way back into the club, and then has been outstanding for them ever since. So um, he heads back up to the Northern Hemisphere, place of Catalan Dragons. Uh, I think he's been one of the best for a number of years at Sydney City. We've got three teams to go. We've got the Melbourne Storm, the North Queensland Cowboys, and the Cronulla Sharks. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with the Storm, who finished in fifth position after this. With the Melbourne Storm, who finished in fifth position on the ladder, 32 points, 15 wins, nine losses, plus 247 points differential. They had some massive wins over the course of the season, but um, it sort of seems like a few pieces to the Storm dynasty were beginning to crumble away, Kempe. That's sort of my theme for the Storm in 2022. Yeah, look, Melbourne have been up for... Oh, the past two decades, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They've been there or thereabouts, and you could have sworn that they were going to be there again this year until Peppenhausen's gone down. And uh, I think a couple of especially crucial injuries at, at crucial times to Jerome Hughes mm. um, put pay to a, a number of uh, wins that they should have got. You know, For me, Sam, the question really is around Ballyate. What does Craig Bellamy do? I think uh, him coming out and saying possibly one more year and he's done is on the back of losing the likes of Kafusi, Brandon Smith, Jesse Bromwich with Kenny's brother Kenny, um, a key part of his leadership group and not having the leaders to fill that in um, for him. Does Cam Munster leave in 2024? I probably think so. I Mm. think I've said it before. I think he's the first $2 million player and I think he's going to chase the money. I think he's going to chase the money and we'll find that out. They might play out in the off-season, um, but I think Cam Munster is setting himself up to leave the the Melbourne Storm, and part of that I think is because Ballyak's probably had a conversation with him and said, "No, I'm not going to be around in a year's time." So I think it's a um, an interesting year for them coming up, Melbourne. I think it's a reset year for them. I think we're going to find out what Melbourne really is made of as far as building some depth. Uh, Harry Grant's a really good player. They've still got Nelson Osefa Solomona there. Um, you know, a couple of a couple of really good outside backs and in, in and et cetera, but they're losing a massive part of their team for twenty twenty three. Yeah. And I think they lose their key player 
in Cam Munster in 2024. Yeah, but it's foreign territory for the Storm. Um, they put on a record 162 points in three games against the Knights, Warriors and Dragons, round seven to nine, but then lost the next two games. They only scored 12 points. It was just, yeah, once they lost Jerome, like you said, and Raw and Pappenhausen, they, uh, the attack seemed to fade away. And they, they're losing some big names. Felice Cafusi to the Dolphins, Brandon Smith to the Roosters, the Bromwich brothers to the Dolphins, David Nofaluma is going back to the Tigers. They're bringing in Elisa Katoa from the Warriors, and we've talked about this. I think he'll thrive there. We'll see him probably transform into that player that we always thought he was going to be. Um, and then you've got Tariq Sims from the Dragons and Joe Chan from Catlins. So an interesting pick up there for them. Um, well, Alex Chan, that's, that's his son. And oh, okay. Alex Chan played front row for for Melbourne. So, you know, he's gone back to a, a system probably just to get some development in him. I think Tarek, Tarek Sims slips straight in. I think he goes to another another spot. And for uh, Felice Couture, I think... Kafuzi. Uh, oh, sorry, Elisa Couture. Yep. Uh, Elisa, Elisa Couture, I think he's a, he's a project. And he can be anything... But what you haven't got is you haven't got that senior um, depth that they're going to lose this year with those four players and four and and four of them internationals, big internationals, yeah, across both Australia and New Zealand. What'd you give them for twenty twenty two? Great. I gave them a seven. I gave them a seven. I thought um, even though they lost Pepinhausen, it was probably you know Pepinhausen could turn into being one of those players like Tom Trebojevic. If he's not playing, then they're not going to win as many games. But I still think they competed really well. Unfortunately for them, they came up against Canberra that uh, just had the wood on them this year. Yeah. All right. Final two teams, uh, because we already carried off the Panthers and the Parramatta Eels at the top of the show. If you missed that, you can go find them on the podcast. So the final two teams, and they're two of my favourites for 2022, the Cowboys who finished in third on 36 points, 17 wins, 7 losses, plus 272 points differential. They won the uh, epic qualifying final against the Sharks, 32-20, uh, 30, sorry, and then lost to the Eels, 24-20, just one week out from the grand final. So many storylines here, Kempe, with you know the success of Todd Payton, uh, the reinvigoration of Valentine Holmes and Jason Tomalolo, then the rise of Tommy Deard and Jeremiah Nanai, uh, Drinkwater as well. Just a phenomenal season for the, for the Cowboys. Yeah, and the and the pieces all came together for Tommy um, for Peyton. You know when he's made the call on uh, Tomalolo to pull his finger out, he's gone straight after the big dog, and everyone else has followed in behind him and built some culture up in that uh, North Queensland. Uh, Cowboys. I thought they're at 20 to 12 or 23 minutes to go in the major semi-final. They were home to play Penrith, and I thought it would have been a different uh, different grand final if the Cowboys had got through. But unfortunately for them, the game we we uh, had won so often during the year and pulled pulled the the rabbit out of the hat. Um, he had to do, he had to be on the receiving end from Parramatta. So yeah, um, I thought Ruben Cotter playing Origin was a real uh, I guess a an honour just to watch someone come onto the onto the scene and attack the NRL like Ruben Cotter did. He played well all year for the Cowboys, but Origin, I think he stepped up. He's another player that I thought was unlucky not to make the uh, the Australian side. I'd pick, I'd pick him in there because you know what you get from that kid every week. Tom Dead in Brisbane will be pretty sad that they let him go. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink water at fullback. You know who who picked that? <laughs> you know, and Valentine, Valentine Hones, arguably the best centre in the competition, and Peter Hickig after his year with the Warriors and that try of the season in that in that semi final. Uh, they had players right across the board, um, but but uh, Nanai, the 19-year-old kid, and getting an Australian jersey after the year playing schoolboy football, unbelievable, yeah. meteoric rise. And just you're talking about Ruben Cotter there, he made a, 703 tackles across the season, 97.4% efficiency, or, you know, he missed bugger all. Don't think he missed a tackle in origin. Um, just a phenomenal season for him, and, uh, yeah, I think uh, Nanai was, was incredible as well. Uh, what are you giving them grade-wise for? I've given them an eight. I've given them an eight. I thought they were the, the standout hard, team. Honestly, hard, hard to fault them. 
really had no. not many slip ups in twenty twenty two. Yeah, I thought they were, I thought they were great, and uh, yeah, they were twenty minutes away from a grand final, and mm. they'll be better off with it. Yeah, no one coming in next year, but they're losing uh, Connolly Limualu uh, to the Dolphins and Tom Gilbert to the Dolphins. So look, probably much of the same in twenty twenty three for the for the Cowboys. Can be probably another top four on the cards. Yeah, and it, and it would hurt that the way that they went out of the the um, final series. No, no one picked them this year to make the nah. the top four. No, people had them as wooden spooners. That's right. Yeah, and uh, they've gone and shoved that right up a few people. And and I think after after this year. They only go um, from strength to strength. Yeah, no, I agree. Tom right. Dearden. Tom yeah. Dearden. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that kid will be an outstanding player for years to come. Final team to go through can be the Sharks, who finished in second position on the ladder. 32 points, 15 wins, 9 losses, 247 points plus differential. Uh, lost to the Cowboys in week one of the finals, 32-30. Then lost the elimination final to the Souths, 38-12. A fantastic season. Craig Fitzgibbon um, got them to heights that no one sort of thought they'd get to. Nico Hines in his first full-time role in an NRL team and his first uh, time in a halfback jersey goes and wins the Dallier medal. Just a phenomenal season for them, unfortunately, fell off the boil when, when it mattered most, those two finals games. Yeah, look, and I think of Craig Bellamy when he's reviewing the last two, two years, he, lose, he loses Nico Hines and Dale Finucane as well. Um, alongside the four players that are leaving him this year, has gone and sort of made his mind up that he's only probably got a year left before he loses too many more. Mm. Uh, Nico Hines, outstanding. Outstanding year. I thought uh, he released a lot of um, anxiety around that team. Uh, Talakai going to centre. You know, that was a honestly from Fitzgibbon a, yeah, genius. a, a genius move. Tal- Talakai hit that centre role. It was arguably the best centre there through the mid-season. Um, but they were the team that just ground out wins for me. They were not flashy. Mm-hmm. They got stuck in the games, and they got Craig Fitzgibbon there. You know, I, I read an article there how he went into jujitsu, yeah. you know, before the games because he wanted to feel as tired as the players and make sure that he was on the same yeah, same respect. level as them. And and he's just brought a whole different attitude to to the Sharks. I think once again they'll be there thereabouts next year. Um, they haven't lost too many players. Metcalf he didn't play too many games for them. He got, got a couple at the back end of the the year. And Aidan Tolman retires and uh, I think that side especially their forward pack um, is really exciting going forward young mm. forward pack what did you give them this year grade wise I gave them an 8 as well yeah nice okay so uh, you, the top 4 next year is sort of sorting themselves out as you mentioned those teams should be there or thereabouts there you go those are our 16 team NRL reviews for 2022 uh, if you've missed any of them you can go back and listen to them they're all on the podcast uh, Captain K's done a great job getting them up for you we are going to do a big World Cup uh, preview show next Wednesday um, for the Rugby League World Cup. So if you're looking forward to that, uh, you only have to wait seven days. We'll take a short break and uh, we'll come back for our final segment before four o'clock. Hard-hitting analysis of one of the greatest games on earth. We're talking Rugby League. This is Running It Straight on SENZ. Yeah, really, uh, really fun going through all 16 teams and giving them a review for 2022. Uh, Kempi, you just want a quick correction? Uh, that's right, yeah. Ruben Cotter is in the Kangaroos. I think the texter for sending that message in, um, just to, um, you know, looking at 400 names today, doing our, <laughs> doing our homework. So, uh, yep, that's awesome that Ruben's in there. And... Uh, 
I guess that leads us into the World Cup, Sam. It around does, the yep, corner. Yeah. Around the corner. I can't wait. Yeah, we're playing Leeds this weekend. The Kiwis are in a warm-up game, which is going to be fantastic. And then uh, it gets underway proper next weekend. Uh, live coverage of it on Spark Sport. And uh, yeah, it can be that Kiwi squad is fantastic. Everyone's talking about it, but I tell you what, that Kangaroo squad is very tasty as well. And going to oh, be hard to beat. One hundred percent. Play on the same side. Tonga's Tonga's looking like a threat. Uh, England lost a lot of players. It's going to be a great one. It's going to be fantastic. We will take you through it next Wednesday as we preview the Rugby League World Cup. That is us for another Wednesday. The run home with Kirsten Beard coming up next. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.